You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into another edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez here. Hoping everybody. Had a fantastic Easter. Producer extraordinaire slash co-host with the most, Mr. James Mesh, joins me. And he is a happy camper because his Celtics found a way to luckily take down Don't, the Brooklyn. No, do not. It was not luck. <laughs> That spin move was nasty. It was nasty. It was. On Kyrie, too. It was. Kyrie deserved it. Yes. Especially after everything he did to Boston. Oh, man. That, he, that could be the whole show is just me talking about Kyrie. Rocking the rocking the beautiful City Edition Jason Tatum jersey. Oh, it's actually, hold on. Let me. If you're watching on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3. There you go. Or 133 on LUS. There Fiber, you go. Boom. Boom goes the dynamite. Look at that. The ball across the, league. the chest in the shamrock gold. Oh, it was it, I love that design. I love oh, this one. Oh man. I'm not like I like I like the white jerseys. I like oh, the white and the classic. I love them both. But this one was special to me. I like the specialty jerseys. Yeah. I have I have a regular blue navy Zion the, Pelicans jersey, but I really I really liked this one. The white one that they have this year that says Celtics in big bold, you know which one I'm talking about. I I think I do, but let me let me look at it real quick. Yeah, the it's, the, it's all white. It's all white. It's got green trim, and the the Celtics across the chest is in big bold letters. It's their um. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't it doesn't curve down. It's just right. straight. It's up. just straight across. That one's right. I don't know See, how to feel about that. one. I like that one. I like I like the one where it's. It's the it like for the white jersey. It's the the green lettering, but then you have the gold border, on the, oh yeah on that. I yeah. like that one as a as an alternate as and well. And then and then the black one is a classic, with the green letters. Oh, love the, that one. The black with the green letters is I, a classic. I I love whenever a team has an alternate black jersey. Like whenever well, like the Eagles, like looking at the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, their black jerseys. Their yeah. black jerseys. Those are sick. Yeah, yeah, they are. That's like the um. Supposedly Florida, supposedly Billy Napier is bringing black jerseys to the University of Florida. Oh, excuse me. We'll see about that. I- I'm intrigued. I, I was gonna say so. So and, is and it I'm gonna not- be? So is it gonna be black like your quarter zip? But then you have the blue numbers, and then you have an orange outside Trim? border. That's actually kind of fire. And, and, and I'm not only intrigued because I'm a Billy Napier fan. But because black jerseys to Florida seems so off the wall that I mean you look at, have look to at have the, my look at the Miami attention. look at the Miami Heat vice jerseys absolutely I love those they're ugly but they're great no well I the the blue and the blue and pink yes they're I, I love those here here's the thing they're they're disgusting looking but they're so different and the message behind them is so cool that I like them. See, I like the message, but I also think that it's a good design. 
It's definitely different from See, the regular it's... black, red, and yellow. Now, are you talking about the black one with the pink and blue letters or the pink and blue jersey? I'm talking about both. The pink and blue jersey is hideous. The black jersey with the pink and blue lettering is fine. That's okay. But the one that's like dominantly pink and light blue, dude, that's horrible. I, again, I like them because of the message, but that is a terrible look. I, I I don't know. I like how it fades. I like how it's the pink and then it fades into the light blue and then it fades into the white. Or even how it goes left to right. How it goes light blue and then it fades together right. in the middle and then it's pink on the right. I I like I like any of these. Like I'm looking at all the different visors. I think they all look good. But that's just me. We got plenty to talk about today. Pelicans in the playoffs. Man, how do you how do you feel about that? Yeah, they didn't win game 1. But uh, you know, we we talked about it at length last week. And and a lot of people even after they beat the Spurs, a lot of people didn't think we they'd beat the Clippers, myself included. I didn't think they were going to beat LA. They owned LA. And now you're in the playoffs after starting 1 and 12 and 3 and 16 with a first-year head coach, and Zion Williamson never played a minute. If Willie Green is not a finalist for Coach of the Year, it's rigged. I was going to say, he should be a finalist. Who's done a better job than him? Look at Ime Udoka. They were the the Celtics were the 11 seed the first 30 games in. And now they're Homer. the now they're the 2 Homer. seed. Homer. Now they're the 2 seed. Homer. You can't argue against that. The Pelicans went from bottom bottom of the barrel to a playoff team. I'm saying they both are finalists, but I'm saying I think if if I, one of the two is going to have to take and, it, it and would probably be why, Udoka. And that's why you need a Western Conference coach of the year and an Eastern Conference coach of the year. But then, but then, if you look at it for other leagues, are you going to do the same thing with like MVPs? Are you going to do an Eastern Conference MVP and a Western Conference MVP? Is that not how baseball does it? There's an NL MVP and an what's, AL what's, MVP. What's more popular, baseball or or football? Is, base, or, is or baseball is, or is, is baseball not America's pastime? I. I used to consider it. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying the baseball is more popular than basketball. I'm just saying it, it's proven to work in other sports. Why not do it in the NBA? I just think it, don't in, in don't NFL, don't change and don't be like a league that is different and I would consider not as popular in the NFL. Yeah, you have a league MVP and you have a league coach of the year, but you also have the NFC Offensive Player of the Year and the AFC Offensive Player of the Year, and but I was saying if you if if you're gonna do the if you're gonna do that, are you going to split up by conference other awards in the NBA and in, in just in general? Absolutely. Would you not? I mean, I look. It almost feels like it makes it easier for you that way. You don't have the co player of the year you know what I mean it that way you avoid that but it's like just just pick who you think did the best this year but that's that's my thing is like because if you're gonna have this conundrum of 
Well, I feel they des they both deserve it. Well, I mean, there's like five, six, seven coaches that all deserve it, but it's like one's got to win. So it's like the fact that you would split it up and be like, make it an easy cop out to where it's like, oh, I mean, we we'll have an Eastern Conference coach of the year, and then we have a Western Conference coach of the year. Let Let's be totally real. All of these awards are popularity contests. Oh, of course anyway. they are. LeBron's gonna win MVP this year. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but you get my point. I was gonna say it. If, yeah. it, it would no, probably be Embiid. He's not really going to win MVP, but you get my point. You, you've got a list of about 15 guys that are just going to rotate for the top five for the MVP. Mm -hmm. And, it, and that's never going to change. You have you have your set guys. You have your set unless, guys. unless you just have that one off the wall year. Right. Right. Which, which player-wise like, is, is, is pretty rare. Because, I mean, you look at I mean... Like D Rose's season, yeah. Because it's like you look at it, you see Kobe, you see LeBron, you see that is true. You even see James Harden. But then the one year you see, oh, Derrick Rose, right? right. <laughs> yeah, no, that is true. That is true. Um, let's take a look at our Twitter poll question of the day. So we found this picture online. James did. Yeah. And it is a picture of a half-eaten sandwich. And there's three different spots that you can take a bite out of the sandwich from. There's like a edge piece on the side, on the left side. You got a big chunk of the middle. And then you've got a sliver of the corner at the bottom on the right side. So the question is, they're, and they're labeled one, two, and three. The question is, what's your next bite on the sandwich? Is it bite one? Is it bite two? Is it bite three? Or like Tanya did from 106.3 Radio Lafayette, <laughs> are you making your own bite? Because she she said that she would bite out of the one corner that was not numbered. Yeah, she, she went for the bottom left corner. There was which is which was interesting. I was I was intrigued. Um so go vote on that. We'll be talking about that throughout the show at 4:30. Leah Van from the Advocate in Baton Rouge will join us to talk about LSU unfortunately getting swept in Fayetteville over the weekend. And at 5:30, Jarrett Reed of Propel's Talk will come on to recap game 1 and preview the week ahead. They play again tomorrow and then 3 and 4 will be in New Orleans Friday and Sunday. Both games will tip off at 8.30 p.m. You see, that's crazy to me, James, because it's not 8.30 p.m. Central because they're playing on the West Coast and there's a two-hour time difference. No, they're tipping off from New Orleans at 8.30 That means the game's not going to end until midnight. That's rough for a lot of people. Now, granted, if the Pels win, either it'll, one of those it'll games, be worth it <laughs> because <laughs> you're just you're just going to take it. You're just going to take it to Bourbon Street after, right? Yeah, like, I mean, you're just going to stay up till like three anyway, like you did last night. Well, I stay up till four. God, 4 that blows my mind. Blows my mind. This dude was sending work emails at 4 o'clock in the morning. I woke and, up at 6.30 <laughs> and said, bro, what's wrong with you? I, 
Uh, I looked at the time. I was like, I haven't been able to sleep, but I've also been taking my time on making the Cajuns audio clips for baseball. I was like, I still got to do that. Let me do that real quick. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so funny. I cannot believe that you stayed up that late. Uh, in recent news, the Astros batting lineup for their home opener tonight, which you can hear right here on the game, has been announced. Jose Altuve will bat first. Michael Brantley will bat second. Alex Bregman, third. Jordan Alvarez, fourth. Yulieski Gurriel will bat fifth. Kyle Tucker, sixth. Jeremy Pena, seventh. Jose Siri will bat eighth. And Martin the Machete Maldonado will bat ninth. Jordan Alvarez was activated from the COVID-19 IL today, which sent Joe Perez back to AA. And to put Alvarez back on the 40-man roster, Lance McCullers Jr. was placed on the 60-day DL. So you, IL, excuse me, not D, it's not DL anymore. So now you will not see Lance McCullers guaranteed for the first two months of the 2022 season. The Astros play the Los Angeles Angels from the juice box tonight. First pitch is set for 7-10, and you can listen to the game live here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 in Lake Charles. They're going to get their AF AL championship rings tonight. They're going to unveil their AL championship banner. Uh, so if you're in Houston and you're going to the game, arrive early for the pageantry because it's going to be fun. Second time out, when we come back, Cajuns baseball takes two out of three against an in-state opponent this weekend. We'll recap those games, and we have some audio from the head man himself, Mr. Matt Daggs. Funny story to tell you about Matt Daggs here in a little bit as well. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Today is the day that you join the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you will get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse if you become a member of the Game Clubhouse. How do you do that? It's quite simple. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up. And James, when should they sign up? I mean, if you're not driving, right now. Right now. I mean, it's very easy. <laughs> Even I could do it. I, I think they ask you for like five pieces of information. It's very simple. And it's not your social. No. <laughs> so Nothing, you're, you're nothing good. private. The most private thing they're going to ask you for is your email. Darn. <laughs> Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. The Raging Cajuns are on a roll right now. Winning two out of three against ULM. And the one that they lost, honestly, they, they had it won. You, you're in the ninth, two outs. You're up five to two. And you, you leave your pitcher in there a little too long. He gets rattled. And then the train just falls apart. ULM scores five 
in the top of the ninth to walk out of Cajun of Russo Park that night. Excuse me, seven to five victors. But as Kevin Foote says, that was paying the piper because Thursday night Louisiana put it on them, scored three in the second, six in the third, two in the sixth to win fourteen to two over the Warhawks in that one. And then, like I said, Friday, 7-5 to five in favor of the Warhawks. Cajun scoring three in the first and two in the fifth to be 5-2 after six. But again, those five runs by ULM in the seventh, I mean in the ninth, proved to be the difference in that one. And then Saturday, the Cajuns responded very well, scoring one in the first, two in the second, two in the third, and then two more insurance runs in the seventh to walk away 7-1 to one victors in that one. Jeff Wilson, who has probably been the most consistent Cajun starter of the year, he goes six complete, seven hits, one run, walked two, struck out five through 106 pitches. He improves to three and one here on the season for Louisiana. And after the game, Jeff Wilson talked about how this team is starting to get better. Absolutely. We're starting to play better. We're starting to play a more complete game on in all aspects. I mean, y'all saw some of the defensive plays tonight. They were incredible. And, you know, hitters are really starting to put strong at-bats together and uh, just staying relentless, you know. And, uh I mean, we can be disappointed with last night, but the fact is we took five out of six in conference, and, you know, we'll take that every time. So, we'll, uh, you know, we're, we're working, we're getting better, and I'm happy to say that we are getting better. So, definitely. Five out of six in conference in the last two weeks. That's pretty impressive. You, you swept Arkansas State. You took two out of three against ULM. You also took two out of three the weekend before against South Alabama. So five out of six, seven out of nine in your last three Sunbelt Conference series. That is a impressive record so far for the Cajuns with that two out of three this weekend. They do improve to 20 and 15 on the year. And, you know, going back to that Friday night blunder, the 7-5 to loss, uh, one of the big leaders of this team, starting center fielder Max Marshak, talked with me about Friday night after the game about just what happened and what went wrong in that ninth inning. Oh, man, there's, it's easy to point fingers, but we're not a team that's going to do that. Uh, we have, I have a lot of trust in all my teammates, all my coaches. Uh, like I said, it's easy to point fingers, but uh, we're on, we were rolling right there. And, I mean, baseball's crazy. It happens. And we, we just got to come back tomorrow, respond, and we got to pick each other up. Like I said, baseball's crazy. It's uh, somewhat, Sometimes it go, goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. I'm here to help my teammates, and they're here to help me. And, I mean, we're all we each other's got, and we're going we're gonna to stick together, and we're going to come through this. We're going to come out tomorrow and get a series win. You know, it, it's interesting to have that kind of attitude after – your team basically gets gut-punched. I mean, you're at 5-2. You're rolling in this game. You get two outs in the ninth. 
I think there was only one runner on base when you got that second out. And the, and slowly but surely, you know, you walk a guy, you, you hit a guy. I think there was a balk in there in the ninth. Yeah, there was. Cooper Rawls balked in the ninth. And then, you know, you give up a, a three-run homer to, to push them in front. And then they added another insurance run. So it's just little things that didn't go the Cajuns' way in that ninth inning that, that really proved to be the difference. And, and like Matt Degg said Friday night after the game, no lead, especially in conference play, no lead is safe. You can't predict baseball. You know, at our level, no lead's really safe. And that's why you saw us staying aggressive when we were last night. You know, our generosity's got to come to an end at some point, And uh, we've got to lock games down. And that's probably a handful now that, that we've gotten really generous in the eighth or ninth. And uh, Coop's been so hot, I'd go to him again right there. Bo looked great. You know, can you, you stick with him? But I'd already we'd already mapped it out. We're going to Coop right there. And, and uh well, we go walk, hit by pitch. We got a balk and two double plays. We have a chance to turn, keep a ball in front of us right there. Uh, but that's baseball, man. Stuff happens. This team's played. We've played so clean for an extended stretch. You know, we've got to get a good night's rest tonight. Just bounce back headstrong tomorrow and win another series, which we've done all year. Tyler Robertson is riding a 13-game hitting streak for this baseball team. Batting at 314, he's got 38 base hits, 22 runs scored, eight doubles, one triple, two homers, 16 RBIs. He's got a slugging percentage of 446 and an on base percentage of 394. But one of his most interesting statistics is his stolen base numbers. He's 13 for 14 on the year. He's only been thrown out one time. There's only one other player that has only been thrown out on the team one time after stealing 10-plus bases, and that's Max Marshak, who some people have been quoted saying that he's one of the fastest players in college baseball. If you haven't seen Max Marshak run 90 feet, it's freaky. It is quite scary how fast that kid can get down the line. Once again, Cajuns with the win on Saturday, improved to 20-15 and 15 on the year, Nine and six in the Sun Belt. They're 13 and seven at Russo Park, seven and five away from home. They will be away from home tomorrow night in Baton Rouge to take on LSU in what has been announced to be the final Wally Ponif Classic that'll be played between the Cajuns and the Tigers. And part of that is due to. The Shrine on Airline becoming a rugby stadium and them not being able to play the game in Metairie anymore. And then secondly, the executive director of the Wally Pana Foundation, Cheryl Gorman, she passed away tragically last year due to COVID, which is another big reason in, in the factor to them to just, you know, not play the Wally Pana Classic anymore and then every year they play the same it's a, it, there's a Wally Pontiff tribute video that gets played every year uh, it's very emotional very moving usually they play it in the seventh inning but since the game tomorrow night is going to be broadcasted on the SEC network the video will get played before the first pitch 
So if you're heading to Baton Rouge tomorrow for the Tigers and Cajuns and you want to see this Wally Pond of Tribute video, make sure you are in your seats before 6.17 p.m. Because that is what time they will play the video. Let's take a time out. And when we come back, Leah Van of The Advocate in Baton Rouge will join us to talk about LSU and Arkansas. She was in Fayetteville for the three games that she will tell you what she saw and what's next for the Tigers as their road doesn't get much easier. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take YOU out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Did you guys know I could spell? The Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You've had plenty of time to sign up since we first told you to. To score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. The Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Le Meridian Houston Hotel Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, Leah Van will come on at 5 o'clock to chat LSU baseball. So switch the schedule around a little bit. Let's talk some NBA playoffs. And and this is going to be James's opportunity to brag at how great his Boston Celtics are even though I thought their performance yesterday was pretty average. I wasn't super duper impressed. I mean, they the the Celtics, they did take a nice lead, like starting out in the third quarter because it was tied. It was tied 61 all, and then they go up by, I think, 15 or 16, and then I blink, and now they only have a six-point lead, and then, it, then it's back and forth the whole fourth quarter, and... Kyrie hits hits a three to give the Nets the three point lead, and then they just hit. I think they hit Al Horford really quickly, got the stop on KD, and then Jason Tatum with the game winning layup. You let Kyrie score forty. Ky- Kyrie's on a different level. I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand how. He's, Ram- he's I don't had, understand how Ramadan make, made him stronger, but he's had time to rest. Is what it is. I was gonna say. I mean, yeah, he's only playing. Ha- he yeah, only he played he, half he, the game. He played one game a month. Like he's had. He's had. To- he is probably the healthiest player in the league right now. Which is which is kind of scary to think about. Fun, funny how. <laughs> I, I just find it interesting how the the mandate lifted up in New York once we got two weeks before the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Weird, right. Weird how that works. Yeah. Crazy how that works out. Other games around the league, the Heat all over the Hawks, 115-91. to Duncan Robinson dropping 27 for Miami. They scored 36 points 
in the second quarter. The Bucks taking care of business over the Bulls, 93-86. to You know, James, I think that's going to be a fun series. That series is going to be very interesting. You, you said Bucks Hawks? Bucks Bulls. Bucks. Yeah, Bucks Bulls. That's what it was. Haw- Hawks play uh, the Heat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one is pretty interesting. I It was a lot lower scoring than I thought it would be. Especially they the only it quarter. was only yeah it was only ninety three eighty six I was ex- I I don't know if that's just me thinking like everybody's just really good at offense at this point right. but it was ninety three eighty six that that just feels like that's something during a Wednesday afternoon when you have a couple starters out but they they actually really played defense that game yesterday which surprised me I thought I thought Giannis would have gone for more. Yeah, what was it? Twenty one. He had well, 27? he had twenty seven and sixteen, but I don't. What did Chris Middleton have? Well, that's why Chris Middleton only had eleven. Yeah, that 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 kind of hurts. Brooke Lopez had eighteen. Drew Holiday with fifteen. Brooke Lopez only only shows up during the playoffs. And then you had uh, Bobby Portis score ten off the bench. Oh, Bobby, Bobby boy. Interesting though, Serge Ibaka didn't play. Yeah, that is that is interesting. Uh, and then for the Bulls, Vucevic with twenty four and seventeen, Demar Derozan with eighteen, Zach Levine with eighteen, and then Kobe White had twelve off the bench. The other game yesterday that I found to be interesting was again, you know, I'm going back to the Celtics and Nets because one thing that we didn't touch on when we were talking about them, is that your boy Jason Tatum walked it off. Now, I'm sure you were watching the game. I was not. (laughs) So what happened in those last couple seconds for for Tatum to hit that buzzer beater? Well, so it was was tied 111, if I recall correctly. I might have to go back to the play-by-play to make sure, but they let me see because I believe it was 111 all and yeah Al Horford ties it up after Durant made a 13 footer Al Horford ties it Kyrie hits a deep almost almost 30 feet a three-pointer to take the three-point advantage Jalen Brown that's what it was Jalen he muscled Kyrie out the way and got an easy layup like just manhandled him. It just made him look like a baby. And then Jason Tatum has the good defense on KD as he's trying to shoot uh from the wing. Right. To take a four point I saw ad- that video. To, to take the four point advantage. I think Horford gets the rebound. Yeah, he gets the rebound, passes it to Derek White. White hits Brown. Brown drives it in, but they kind of suffocate him. Mm-hmm. Tatum's just sitting there at, at the top of the key, like, hey. I'm open. <laughs> Give me the ball. Right, Give me the right. ball. Uh, but he turns around, or he he jumps up in the air, makes a jump pass, throws it to Smart. Smart dribbles in once, and by that point, Jason Katie was just sitting at at the free throw line. Just I don't know what he was doing. I think he was just kind of lost. They they call that El Matador defense. Yeah, he was just sitting there. <laughs> uh, he he did that, and Jay Jason. From the top of the key, just went straight uh, past the right elbow, got the ball right about that point, 
hit the spin move on Kyrie and had the easy layup. layup and yeah. then by the time the ball went in, that's when time expired. Celtics win one fifteen to one fourteen to take the one nothing series lead on Kyrie, KD, and the Brooklyn Nets. You got three games tonight. Toronto, Philly, game two. Does Philly keep rolling, or does does Toronto even things? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. I I don't I don't see the 76ers working out. Wow. Really? I think I think they'll get past Toronto. I think I think it'll be in six. But then wouldn't they play the winner of but, Boston Brooklyn next? Yeah, and usually usually the Celtics have the 76ers number. It's been a little different this year and has been on another level, but I, I I just like I said I just don't see how James Harden's bas- play of basketball is is going to translate into wins. He can do it during the regular season, but look at every postseason. What about Utah and Dallas, according to... Luka better play. That's the only well, way Dallas has a chance. According to Adrian Wojnowski, Luka Doncic is very unlikely to be available for game two. That's, that's going to be tough because if he's not going to play, even if he does, they might have a chance like game three and beyond. But even then, I'm not uber confident because as talented as Luka is... They still have not won a playoff series. Right. He he still has not won a playoff series yet. As That's great true. as he is. That's true. And then your final game of the night, Denver Golden State. Game two. Jordan Poole was incredible. God, well, he was <laughs> wow, he was different. He's he has to be the most improved player for this year. I he has to it. win the award. I could see it. I really in, could. in his third year, he's already Take it over Clay's role. And dude, the fact that Curry is still averaging twenty six points a game. Like, I, I know he's still young and he's he's stayed Steph? Yeah. Steph's thirty one or thirty two, I think. Right. So he's still got he still got some years of time. Left. Yeah. But the fact that he has done it as consistently as he has for as long as he has, it's unreal. It's unreal. Anybody that says that he isn't the greatest shooter of all time. I love Ray Allen, and I know you do too. But Ray, I'm kind of iffy on. Really? As a Celtics fan, you're iffy on Ray Allen. I'm more about I'm more about KG and Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce has been very weird since he retired. He's been making some interesting takes. I get it. I, I get it with Paul Pierce. It's like you you don't get to that level of basketball. And don't think you could beat somebody like D Wade. I get that, but I don't know. Coming from it from somebody that isn't D Wade or Paul Pierce, it's like you really think you had a better career than D Wade. You really think you were better than D Wade? I, I think he, I think he does. Which is which is kind of interesting because I don't know who else would agree with that stance. You think Paul Pierce had a better career than D Wade? No, I'm saying I I, that's what I'm saying is I think D Wade had a better career. That's what I'm saying. I liked Paul Pierce as a player, but right now I get where he's coming from, but I can't agree with a lot of his takes because a lot of them are kind of off the wall, right? And only something that somebody that is Paul Pierce would believe. Yeah, but no, I, I get I'm, you. 
and and the fact that ever ever since then, it, I mean, you look at you look at it. Ray Allen's not invited to any of the 2008 like parties anymore. Parties anymore, right? Because he's got bad blood with everybody else, right? So it's like I kind of roll with the whole squad. We'll never, so we'll never understand. I was never I was never super emotionally attached to Ray Allen. Not to mention he went to the Heat, and then <laughs> gave LeBron another chance with that with that corner three. That beautiful corner three. Yeah. So I've the fact that he went to Miami, it was like, really? Right. right. You gonna you gonna do me like that? You gonna do the Celtics like that? Let's update the poll question before we take a timeout. What's the next bite on the sandwich? Is it one, two, or three? Of course, if you need context, the picture is posted on both Twitter and Facebook. Our man Jamie Green chimes in on Facebook and says, bruh. Yeah, I love that he said bruh. Like, what has happened to this station with these poll questions? <laughs> like, really? Come on, man. Three, and it's not even close. So, See, this is why I like Jamie. This is why he joined my fantasy league. On Twitter, 46% say bite two, 46% say bite three, and 7% say other. They didn't. They didn't comment though. But they did not. I comment. put. I put comment on there for a reason. Tell me where else you're going if you're not going to go one of those three. I want to talk to the person that said other. Call in seven zero six zero one one one. Phone lines are open. You know that always. You also also Brian Fox on Facebook. He had said, "If it's one, then you're probably you're probably a Yankees, Yankees fan. fan." Yes. Oh. Speaking of baseball, should I tell my Matt Degg story or should I wait for the audio? I think audio? we wait for it tomorrow. Okay. Okay. We'll wait. Because so, you played it for me, here's and that, the, was, that was hilarious. Here's the teaser. I had a very funny interaction with Raging Cajun head baseball coach Matt Deggs today. We'll have the audio tomorrow. So if you want to hear it, crush out with me as a mesh from 4 to 6 p.m. tomorrow. There you go. Let's take a timeout. And when we come back, we'll talk some more Astros as they get ready for their home opener tonight at the Juice Box against the Angels. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Am I going to have to like put a sticky note on there saying, don't touch? <laughs> it was an accident, man. It was an accident. The, the arm of the chair turned into it. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> We may have to get like you know on like deal or no deal where they have the blast plastic casing over the button. Right. May have to do may that, have to for, do that. <laughs> for these buttons. Might have to do that. We might have to invest in that. Ray, if you're listening, we need that. <laughs> Ray, if you're listening. I know you are. He's a he's a spy. He's he's, he's, he's a double agent. <laughs> he's spying on us. James, why haven't we talked about the USFL yet? The Breakers played their first game yesterday in almost 40 years, and they won. Yep. Start off on the right foot. 23-17 to 17 over the Philadelphia Stars. 
and, and right from so here I'm looking at the box score. You know what the score was at halftime? It was Oh, he remembers. I'm trying to recall. They had the touchdown. Uh-huh. They had the two-pointer. They had the safety. Uh-huh. It was 9-7. Wasn't it 17-14 at half? No, at half it was 9-7. Oh, it was 9-7 at half? Yeah. Oh, I thought they, all they, I thought they all scored they, the second touchdown the before, before half. Uh-uh. All they scored in the second quarter was the safety. Ah, uh, okay. And they had a touchdown in the third and a touchdown in the fourth. To win it 23-17. to 17. For the Breakers, their quarterback, Kyle Slaughter, was okay. 17 to 27, 150 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. He did add 30 yards on the ground in four carries. Their stud running back, Jordan Ellis, was pretty solid. Uh, 18 carries, 489 yards. And the touchdown. And then on defense, man, Vontae Diggs. Ten tackles. Two for loss. Two for a loss. One pick. And that pick was returned for a touchdown. What a game. And then Davin Bellamy. Six tackles. Four of those were solos. Three sacks. After one game, he might already be the league leader. In sacks. I mean, three in a game? That's crazy. That is absolutely unheard of, actually. It's a hell of a start. That's how, right. That's how, that's how you make your name known. That's how you're like, yes, I want to be in the NFL. Yeah, Give me, give me know, a chance. That's what the purpose of the USFL is going to be. That's pretty much what any of these other leagues... It's going to be a... I mean, look at the XFL. Look at P.J. Walker. Look at the AAF. Right. They, well, that's where P.J. Walker came from. Was No, P.J. Walker came from the XFL. He came from the XFL? Am I thinking of Garrett Gilbert? Uh, that's who you're thinking I think, of. Yeah, I was thinking of Garrett Gilbert from the uh, Orlando Apollos. Yeah. But no, dude, look, look at P.J. Walker. Was the starter for his XFL team? I want to say he played for Dallas. The, no, it was the Houston Renegades. Oh, it was Houston? Okay. But Jordan Tayamu also made it to right. the NFL because he was on the St. Louis... Battlehawks. Right. Because well, I, I was rooting for the Battlehawks because well, I was like, yeah, go Jordan. Well, now Tiamu is in the USFL. Yep. I had seen that. Saw him got drafted. So, um, with the win, the Breakers improved to 1 and 0. And next Sunday, they will play the, is it the Houston Bandits? Tampa Bay Bandits. I'm still learning all the team names. The Tampa Bay Bandits. They'll play at 2 o'clock on. NBC. As a reminder, phone lines, the game hotline is open. 706-0111. You got a comment on the Pelicans, LSU, the Cajuns, the USFL, Jordan Spieth winning the RBC Heritage in a playoff yesterday. What a beautiful shot out of the bunker, by the way. Uh, and here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number two, Leah Van from The Advocate will join us to discuss LSU baseball 
and preview their matchup with the Cajuns. And then Jarrett Reed from Propel's Talk. We'll, we'll talk about the Pels and the Suns. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on this beautiful Monday after Easter. Hope your Easter was as good as mine was. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. LSU did not have the Easter weekend that they were hoping for. Uh, traveling to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and getting swept 5-4, to 4-0, four, four to and 6-2. to two. Cajun, I mean, Tigers only managing to get six runs on the board throughout the weekend. To talk about those three games and to preview their week ahead, is Leah Van from The Advocate Leah? Good afternoon. Happy Monday. How was your Easter? Uh, I'm Jewish, so Easter is not really relevant to me. But uh, I, you know, it was it was a nice it was a nice Sunday. <laughs> hey, well, you know, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So let, let's let's dive into baseball now. You know, Thursday night, five to four, Arkansas beating LSU, and you know, for a little while, you know, through six innings, LSU had the one run lead, but then you give up three in the seventh. You, you know, you tried to claw your way back with, with that RBI single from Jacob Berry in the eighth, but it just wasn't enough. Walk us through that Thursday night game. Yeah, you know, um, Connor Nolan, who I was their starting pitcher for Arkansas, he's he's pretty um, – I think he's one of the best in the SEC. Uh, I think Jay was saying he might be like SEC pitcher of the year. So the fact that they did, um, LSU came back and, you know, gets like four hits in a row in the top of six which we've seen them do, right, a number of times this year, um, was pretty impressive. And, you know, it was executing what they like to do offensively. Like once they figure out that starting pitcher, you know, made it through, who made it through the starting lineup, I think three times before, um, before Cruz took the plate and kind of got things started. Uh, yeah, you know, it felt like offensively LSU was pretty solid. And, you know, obviously McHale had a good outing too, but, um, yeah, the seventh, I think, you know, I think it's just a product of baseball being a tough game. And then also the defense was definitely, I mean, the errors that you don't see, you know, they weren't on the scoreboard. But the big difference was Arkansas was not letting anything pass. LSU was, right? We saw, like, some singles to shortstop, some singles to second base, just some kind of those, like, miscues or some of those plays that, you know, a defense like Arkansas can turn a double play, and LSU hasn't been able to do those kinds of things and execute. So defensively, LSU was struggling. You try to, you know, change the pitcher out, see if you can change the momentum and um, change the kind of contact that they're making. And uh, ultimately, they just kind of came up short. And I know that Jay was saying that was the game that LSU probably had the best chance of winning. Um, And that was the one that he really wishes he could take back. That was the one game that he felt like they should have had. And then, you know, you look at Friday, the 4 the, nothing the loss. You give up three runs in the third. You give up one in the fifth. LSU only getting three base hits in that game. All three of Arkansas's runs were scored off of homers. 
And you know, you look at Blake Money's stat line. He went six and two thirds, which which is a is a quality start for the turn in terms of innings pitched. But seven hits, four runs. You walked two. You only struck out one. You know, Blake Money. Ever since he's come back from his injury, seems to be, you know, declining rather than than getting better. What, has Jay Johnson said anything about you know what seems to be the issue with him or, or what's what's the plan with Blake Money? You know, I and I talked to Blake Money after this game, and I spoke with Jay. Jay was complimentary of Money's outing and was like, "Yeah, you know, home runs are just going to happen." But I thought he came back, and if you if you look at it, I think right after he gave up the, I think it was the last home run, he came back and gave a clean outing. So in the sixth inning, I believe. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's just the it's just the increase in competition. I mean, what we saw out of Blake Money at the beginning of the season was not an SEC play. And so you're facing much more quality batters in, um, uh, when you're getting to that SEC play. And the stakes are a little bit higher, and he's a sophomore. And, you know, it's his first year kind of being the guy. And so, um, yeah, you know, neither one of them feel like he's declined. It's just been a product of the increase in competition. Um, LSU offensively, um, you look at that game, they haven't been batting super well against uh, left-handed pitchers all year, and I think in this one they uh, Arkansas threw three of them, and um, LSU batted literally point zero seven four, like seventy four, the two for twenty seven against left-handed pitchers. So, you know that's that's a concern. I'm not going to say that's like the sole thing that's wrong, right? Like this is a good team of hit. This is a good hitting team, um, and numbers are you take with a grain of salt. Uh, but they certainly sh- struggled against. Freshman Hagen Smith and you know Evan Taylor who came in on relief and um, you know to kind of relieve him and uh, yeah it just felt like they really couldn't get an offense going that game either. Chatting with Leah Van from the Advocate and then Saturday's game it, it's weird it's kind of an anomaly LSU getting eleven base hits but they were only able to get two runs in and one of those came in the second and you had a one nothing lead through four. But then again, the big inning comes back to bite you. You get four, you give up four in the fifth, and then two more in the seventh to lose that game six to two. And, and obviously, credit to Arkansas; they're a, they're one of the top teams in the country for for an obvious reason. But it, it seems like after Thursday's game, LSU could just never really get momentum going. I think it's safe to say that. Um, I think Saturday's game they were they were there um and you know they did out hit arkansas if you look at it i think arkansas only had six hits yeah, the entire six game hits. they were all hits that counted right like they're all hits and that's the thing is the difference in that game was the timely hit whereas lsu could not you know drive in those runners on base but certainly that every inning they had at least somebody and so um, the other thing that I thought was a huge momentum shifter in that game was Braden Joe Bears at bat when he was called um, when he was they called it a strikeout because he 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 had a time violation of not being in the batter's box um, in time um, with two runners on base that was a really pivotal moment and you could tell that frustrated not just him but like the entire team and he takes the plate again two innings later and he strikes out and so. Um, I think that 
big call when you had two runners on base. It was a prime opportunity for LSU to take the lead and uh, reclaim, kind of gain control of the game. They lost it. And then after that, it just kind of, um, you know, it's hard to overcome things like that. So um, I felt like that was a really big pivotal moment on Saturday. All right, Leah, this week, four-game stretch for the Tigers. They're going to start, and all, and all four at home, which is a good sign for, for this team to kind of right the ship and get back on track. They start tomorrow against the Raging Cajuns in, in the Wally Pond of Classic at 6.30, and then you've got a three-game SEC series Thursday, Friday, Saturday with Missouri. You know, what, what can you tell me about this week? What was Jay Johnson's message today? You know what? What are what can Tiger fans expect out of this team this weekend? Um, yeah, we didn't talk so much about the weekend because Jay is always about the next game on the schedule. Uh, you know, obviously in-state rival, good team. Uh, they are, I think, tied for um, third and the fourth in the Sun Belt. Yeah, tied for fourth. Um, and you know, have a couple of stars on their team. I was looking through. Um, the roster and I lost it. Um, I will get back on that. Um, so yeah, the, um, the focus will be, you know, again, defense, got to clean up, got to play better. Um, you know, those timely hits, you know, getting them at the right time and kind of getting the guys who were lower in the batting lineup to, um, you know, increase their production and also be smarter at the plate. Um, you know, I think Jay said after the first game against Arkansas, when I talked to him, he said, you know, to be honest, I think we were overmatched with the pitching aside from like a Dylan Cruz and a Jacob Berry. And, you know, the only thing that will help some of those other batters with like tougher pitching is facing tougher pitching is time and experience. And so, you know, these midweek games are another one of those opportunities to come back and, you know, after, you know, not much break and, uh, Start hitting again. So Ellis, I mean, Jay was um, Jay's still optimistic about the weekend. You know, they still had like 11 hits again, like you said on Saturday. And you know, the pitching, they're working with the, with what they've got. And the thing that LSU doesn't have is like one dominant pitcher or a consistent like you know Friday Saturday starter that y'all I know this fan base is super familiar with. Um, you know, the Ben McDonalds of the world and. Uh, you know, those are the guys that Jay's going to have to recruit come, going into next year. Um, and that's why you're seeing a lot of pitching changes and, you know, that slows down the game and that impacts all the players too. So I think there's a lot to seem uh, to look for. I mean, I think Mizzou should be, I know it's a good opportunity to get some wins at home in SEC play uh, for LSU, which is certainly needed. And I think that at home, Jay was saying they have more opportunity to work on some things, work on those finer details for the next two weeks before they take off and go to Tuscaloosa and they go to Nashville. Chatting with Leah Van. Leah, has has Jay Johnson announced his starting pitcher for the game tomorrow night? No, he has not. He did say that it's possible we could see Grant Taylor tomorrow night. I don't know in what capacity. Uh, if you think of guys that didn't pitch this weekend or uh, you know, I, I don't think we saw Bryce Collins. I think Bryce Collins could be coming up. You know, we didn't see a lot of Devin Fontenot, and I know that Devin got to start in a midweek game two weeks ago. So, I mean, you could kind of go down the process of elimination, but he did not announce the starting pitcher. And, Leah, before you run, tell everybody where they can they can find your work with The Advocate. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you can you can find it on theadvocate.com, obviously under LSU the LSU tab, and or, or I'm back on Twitter uh, at lvan underscore sports. My original Twitter. Um, I am using my middle name now because I got suspended for I guess impersonating myself um, when I got hacked. So that's Leah Hanna. My middle name is H A N N A H. If y'all just search like my name and not my Twitter handle, so. Fantastic, Leah Van of the Advocate. Appreciate you taking the time, and uh, have a good rest of your week. Thanks, you too. And there she goes, Leah Van of the Advocate in Baton Rouge. It's always fun when you get some in-state foes together, and the Cajuns and Tigers have proven time and time again to be a great matchup on the baseball field, and they'll do it again tomorrow night, 6.30 from the box. Take a time out right here, and when we come back, open hotline 706-0111. We still got some Saints. We still got some Cajun softball. Still got some McNeese to talk about here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 18th, 2008. In a 28-2 vote by the Board of Governors, NBA owners give approval for the Seattle Supersonics to relocate to Oklahoma City. The team leaves and is then renamed the Oklahoma City Thunder. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time to laugh until it hurts. But don't worry, because the pain is going to be for a good cause. Cajun Comic Relief returns this Saturday, April 23rd, to Angel Hall on the campus of UL Lafayette. The comedy event, with its proceeds benefiting the Cajun Navy Ground Force, will feature comedians and entertainers Sam Jobert, Steve Shaw, and the Ragin' Cajun John Morgan. KADN news anchor Jeff Horshack and our very own Raymond Parsh III will serve as co-MCs for the event. Tickets cost only $30 and can be purchased at eventbrite.com. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game, 20 minutes after 5 o'clock. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Matt's learned his lesson. <laughs> Matt's learned his lesson. Uh uh, there, there, there are certain certain things in certain situations that you don't say or that you don't ask. And me texting our 1037 The Game group chat in the eighth inning Friday night saying, oh, the Cajuns got this. It's over. And, and I texted you, don't count your chickens, Miguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then look, for- nobody, nobody saw them giving up five runs in the ninth. Matt Deggs didn't even see that coming. Also, probably shouldn't say that the Astros are going to crush the Mariners. Or or any or any team in a series. Well, yeah. Even even if it is a bad team, you never know. Cuz what was it? 11 It was 11 11 1 and then 7 2 on Sunday. 7 2 and then the Astros won the middle game for nothing because of vintage Justin Verlander. God, uh, he is the only guy that I have seen in a long time come back from Tommy John and be just as good, if not better, 
as he was before he got hurt. It's unreal how good he has been. Uh, Also, in MLB news, if you're interested, the Minnesota Twins dominated the Red Sox today. 8-3, former Astro Carlos Correa getting two hits on four plate appearances. He also walked and struck out in the contest. That is the only MLB game to be completed so far today. There's going to be a fun one tonight that our guy RP3 is probably going to stay up late for. It is the Braves and the Dodgers. That's going to be a good game. You know, speaking of RP3, he introduced us to a a, a new concept that Kevin Foote introduced him to that I thought was interesting, and it is called a hammock season. Now, Kevin is known for his term, the medicine season, after having such a good season you you take you get a taste of your own medicine you come back down to earth but a hammock season i don't remember the exact wording that was used by kevin foot but it's basically you lay back in your hammock and relax with your, with your championship <laughs> trophy and, and your you ring nothing, on your finger because you have nothing to worry about right because no matter what how poorly you play this year you still have. You're, you're still, still the, the champ. champ. Yeah, you're the champ until somebody takes it from you, which that won't happen until October. So, so from now until October, you can just recline in your hammock and go, man, life is good. It won't be after that, but the Braves are doing that right now because they're five and six through eleven games. Granted, there's 162. I know that there's still plenty of baseball to play, and records don't matter at this point. That's why I'm not freaking out as an Astros fan that they are. Five and four. Mm-hmm. It's not a great start. No, um, it's not. But it's also incredibly early. Once again, the Astros will return to Minute Maid Park tonight to host the Angels. First pitches at seven ten, and you can listen to the game right here on the game one zero three seven Lafayette one zero four one in Lake Charles. Yeah, I found that wording a little a little interesting. You'll listen to the game on the game. <laughs> Yeah, that's not... That's why I say all the action. It's okay. It's okay. Um, We've got a tweet from... Interesting. MAGA Doug. Oh, MAGA. Big Doug. I can explain what happened in Fayetteville with three letters. RBI. <laughs> what a big disappointment. I mean, I, I get it. You know... You expected to be way more competitive in that series than you were. Like I said last week, it's Arkansas. Baumwalker is an incredibly difficult environment to go play in. And the way you lost the game Friday night, you had no momentum going... Not Friday, Thursday night. You had no momentum going into the rest of the weekend. And then the only game that you really played well in was Saturday when you got 11 base hits, but none of them turned into anything. Arkansas only had six hits, but their six hits mattered because they scored six runs off those six hits. It's it's exactly like Matt Degg said after the loss Friday night 
to, to ULM when they gave up five runs in the ninth to lose the game. It's baseball. I've heard people call baseball a hauntingly, what, what was the word? A, a hauntingly beautiful game, something like that. Uh, it hurts you so bad that you love it. <laughs> it hurts so good. <laughs> right, basically. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, Deggs kind of said a similar thing. He said, man, you know, this game is so unpredictable and, and so, you know, just crazy, and that's why it's addicting. Because you just can't get enough of those, you know, last second or last inning heroics when, when a team scores five runs on you to win it. It was a three-game series. There's still a month of baseball to play. LSU is still in great shape. They're fine. LSU fans don't need to panic just yet. Actually, panic doesn't need to happen at all this year. It's year one for Jay Johnson. So pump the brakes on that. Let's see how it plays out. Let's let him get a full recruiting cycle under his belt. And then you can go from there. Was it a disappointing weekend? Yes. Is their season over because of it? Absolutely not. There's still plenty of baseball to be played. I think they have 22 games left in the regular season. They they have plenty of baseball left to play. It's quite okay. Let's take a time out. When we come back, Jarrett Reed of Propel's Talk will join us to talk game one of the Western Conference quarterfinals. We'll preview game two for tomorrow night. We'll talk about the environment in New Orleans and so much more. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And it is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just washed the hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You ready to experience Festival International like never before? With the help of the game's Festival International prize pack, you can do that. You sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you can get the chance to score a pair of Bon Temps passes. Festival's coming very quickly. It's next weekend, and you will get exclusive access to front row and stage areas for musicians, Shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, and a poster. Experience Festival International de Louisiane like never before by winning the prize pack from the game. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game, the New Orleans Pelicans are in the playoffs. And... No, we are not lying. If you've lived under a rock, they started one and twelve, three and sixteen, and have fought their way into the eighth seat. They're taking on the Phoenix Suns, and last night did not go the Pelicans' way. One ten to ninety nine. Uh, it seemed like most of the game the Pelicans were playing catch up, and Chris Paul was dominant. 
Here to talk about that and more from Propel's Talk is Mr. Jarrett Reed. Jarrett, good afternoon, my friend. How was your Easter weekend? Hey guys, how's it going? Easter was Easter was pretty good, man. Uh, we had like a family gathering, got some crawfish, got some turkey necks, some corn. You know the you know the fixings. We had a great time. Jesus risen. Jesus was risen. We, we were good. It was a great time, even with the Pels loss. We're, we're good, man. How's everything going? With you? Oh man, it's great. It's great. Uh, it's always good to have a have a relaxing weekend, hanging out with some family, and um, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed getting to. You know, kind of unwind a little bit, but you know, watching the game last night again, like I said, it was a very sluggish first half. the The Suns just had the Pelicans number for those first twenty four minutes. It was fifty three to thirty four at the half, and then the Pelicans kind of woke up in that third quarter, scoring thirty seven, and, and it was it was a game of runs in the second half because you you know you started the second half down nineteen. At one point, I think they closed it to seven. And the Suns extended it to 14, and then the Pelicans brought it back to eight. You know, what do the Pelicans have to do in game two tomorrow to prevent that from happening? Relax. You know, no Aaron Rodgers here, but relax, man. Uh, basketball is a game of runs. We You, you uh, said that earlier. Like, that's kind of how it is. I mean, the Pelicans just play two emotional games. One versus the Spurs, then you jump back versus the Clippers, and now you got to go play your first playoff game. Nerves are going to be involved. It happens, you know. We, I would say, fifty percent of our, our, our that loss could be blamed on just being the first time in a playoff game. You had fought all season to get to this point. Now it's like, hi, all right, we took our foot off the gas. Now we have a new objective, and we're learning how to how to go towards that new objective. Looking at the statistics for the Pelicans last night, Valanchunas with 18, B.I. with 18, Larry Nance with 14, McCollum with 25. He also had five, eight rebounds and six assists for C.J. But, you know, looking at Jonas's numbers, 18 points, 25 rebounds, 13 of those 25 being offensive and, you know, if you go back and look at the highlights, a lot of them, he, he, he was cleaning up the trash. Whether it was his own misses or, or somebody else's misses, he was always just right there at the rim, right, ready to clean it up and put it back. You know, what, what do you think of, of Valanchunas' performance last night? I think it's a little skewed. A lot of those are his own misses. I mean, if he makes, if you look at his shooting percentage, I mean, I think he was six or seven, something, something like that. Seven of like, twenty-one. Yeah, look at that. Yep. I mean, if Jonas makes, I'd rather him make, you know, four or five of those buckets rather than get four or five of those rebounds. Right. If we're going to put it that way, you know, like all right, I'd rather to trade that. I mean, twenty-five rebounds is crazy. No matter how you got it, that is insane in a playoff game. But it, his performance, you know. Can be, you know, it kind of skewed. If you didn't watch the game, you just saw the box score. Like, oh, Jonas did his job. Well, not, not, not really. really. I mean, <laughs> go ahead. No, I, I was just agreeing with you. You know, he he really didn't. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was it was it reminded me of his first game with the Pelicans. That game versus Philly, and he just couldn't get anything to fall. And basketball is like that. I mean, he had two back to back great games versus the Spurs, 
and the Clippers. Oh, the Spurs are probably the better game, but it was it was an okay game versus the Clippers. You know, it's going to happen when the ball just doesn't go in, and I think that was just a product of hey, the legs may be gone, the touch isn't there. It happens. Cool. Chad, with- performance. Go ahead. My bad. No, go, no, go ahead, man. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying what I did like about the team's performance was where we, we didn't we didn't quit. You know. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just like, hey, we get, we're getting our head beat in and we're just going to lay down. We didn't lay down. We came back fighting. You know, that that showed the Suns like, hey, this is not going to be easy for you. This is not just going to be a walk in the park like everybody thinks. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. I definitely enjoyed the the grit that the Pelicans showed. Chatting with Jared Reed from Propel's talk. Let's talk about Chris Paul for a second. I mean, dominating performance from from CP3. 35 minutes, he scored 30 points. He had 10 assists, 7 rebounds, 3 steals. He had a block in there as well. Shot 12 of 16 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. Just talk about Chris Paul's performance against technically his former team last night. It was masterful. This is a master class by Chris Paul. This was his shining, not shining moment, but just it just seemed like the game was in his hands and there was nothing we were going to do about it. You know, uh, the pick and roll, we couldn't, there were so many ways to guard the pick and roll and whatever way we did, he did the exact opposite and got his way. I mean, there was one point he had 12 straight points or that, that, or he impacted like 14, 15, 17 straight points, something crazy like that. And then he did it in the, the final quarters. Like that's, that's, that's nuts. Like that's, that's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you can try to get up under him and, and force him left or right, and but he still he still is Chris Paul. He can manipulate so many things. He just had full control of the basketball game. Game two tomorrow night in Phoenix once again. You know, if you're Willie Green and you're talking to the team, what's what's the message? What's what's the keys to victory to to get the split and come back home to New Orleans with a with a real shot? Just relax and just play basketball. Guys, we weren't supposed to be here. Use that to your advantage. Like, what did you have to prove? But you can come out and, and, and impact the game, force your will. The Suns are the ones with all the pressure, really. They're yeah. the number one seed. They're supposed to blow you out. They're supposed to do this, do that. Use that against them. You know, when a game gets tough, you know, they've been there, of course. But we can make it muddy. We can make it, you know, swampy, if you want to be politically correct. Uh, we can do these things. Uh, we can impact this game. We can change the trajectory. We can steal one here and get back home. And, and hopefully that puts a lot of pressure on them to make mistakes. Now, l- looking at those two games in New Orleans, I, I-, I hate to look ahead, but, you know, we already know that there's going to be two games in New Orleans Friday and, and Sunday. What kind of environment do you think we could see at the Smoothie King Center for this weekend? You know, are, are we expecting sellouts? You know, talk about the environment for this weekend. I think it's going to be nuts. I I think Game Three is probably going to be something otherworldly. Uh, we even even for the the playing game. That was loud. That was insane. That was great. It felt like a Saints game. I think this is really going to be like that testament. You know, a playoff game for a team that was, you know, like you said, 1-12, 3-16, and 
to bounce back, to fight, to claw. That's what Louisiana is about. We fight, we claw for every little thing. And we, we're getting an opportunity to, to play in front of our, our home crowd. You know, these guys kind of deserved it. This is like their their wish, you know, to play behind crowd. You know, they haven't had a real set out crowd all year. And to do it back-to-back nights or back-to-back times, we'll have a game four as well. You know, I think the crowd is going to be electric. Um, I mean, they're planning pregame parties and all sorts of getting calls to say, hey, we're going to go here. We're going to go here. We really don't know. We're going to be somewhere. I know we'll be in that building, and the building's going to be rocking. Man, I I can't wait. I'm looking forward to that so much Friday at 830. But first is tomorrow's game, game two from Phoenix, scheduled for 9 p.m. tip-off on TNT. Jarrett Reed of Propel's Talk has been our guest. Jarrett, appreciate you taking the time, my friend, and uh, tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Thanks, man. Appreciate y'all, appreciate y'all for having me. They can find me on Twitter, uh, Conrad Reed 5, K-O-N-R-A-D-R-E-E-D, the number 5. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I just talk sports and all kind of other stuff. Uh, also, follow Propel's Talk. We do uh, weekly or uh, daily uh, segments on the Pelicans and movement around the city. I also write from time to time, so catch an article, do what you need to do. Jarrett Reed of Propel's Talk. Jarrett, appreciate you once again, my friend. And uh, who knows, I might see you this weekend in New Orleans. I hope so, man. Drink on me. Hey, you you heard the man. Yeah. James Mesh, <laughs> James Mesh, you're my witness. All right, Jared, appreciate you, my man. Thank you. There he goes, Jared Reed of Propel's Talk. Drink on him. I mean, I'm a, I, if I'm there, I'm going to be working, but... I mean, afterwards. Uh, right. Afterwards. Once, I, w- w- once I submit that post-game article and, and technically quote-unquote clock out, I mean, all bets are off at that point. Say free game. Hmm. Not too much, though, my, because you will have the LSU spring game. You know what? You're, you're not my father, James Mesh. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay? I can handle my adult beverages. That is a total lie. I am, <laughs> I am a absolute lightweight. Like, I I don't drink enough to 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 go party after a Pelicans game. I, I don't. Um, so that that could get interesting down in New Orleans. Second time out. When we come back, we'll update the poll question. We'll talk some Saints news. There's a few things to get to with the draft. Eleven days away, ten days away, something like that. Here on the game, one zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match for sports talk love. That is. Now back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Houston Astros will come home as the defending American League champions, and they will host the Los Angeles Angels at Minute Maid Park tonight. First pitch is set for 710. You can listen to the game live here on the game. 
1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. If you're watching the simulcast, I really hope you enjoyed those dance moves that I just provided for you. You know, you're lucky, listeners, because normally that is a premium product that people pay big money for. So for you to get it for free, good on you on this Easter Monday. <laughs> That's your Easter present. That That is my Easter gift to Acadiana. My my chair, my chair dance moves. Um, Sounds like you need to be a part of Ray and, and Five Names This Little Contest. If I, was, if I was here early enough, <laughs> who wants to come here at 6 o'clock in the morning? Because uh, you know they, they filmed the first part where they walk in the door. Yeah, like at like five o'clock. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I'm dreaming about <laughs> sheeps. I'm dreaming about sheeps and sunshine at five o'clock in the morning, buddy. And I'm and I'm like two hours into my sleep. Uh-uh. Nope. If I the earliest I will wake up is six thirty. And even even that comes with a, a nap at ten. Because you get used to a schedule, right? I'm on the air from 4 to 6. I get to work 12, 12.30. So most days, if I'm awake, I'm damn sure not getting out of bed till 9. I might be up scrolling through Twitter or, or you know TikTok or whatever else, but I don't get out of bed until 9. So if, if you caught me here earlier than that, that's a treat. Let me tell you, because I like my sleep, okay? I'm going to say that right now. Uh, reading a tweet from my guy, Apollo Dez. If someone could snag me a Jordan bobblehead for me, that would be dope. If anybody's going to the Astros game, if you could snag me a... Jordan bobblehead. That would be dope. We need more Astros bobbleheads in the studio. As if we don't have enough behind you. Yeah, but the Astros ones that we have are outdated. I mean, yeah. The the two that we have, the Hall of Fame jacket is cool. Like mm-hmm. that that stands the test of time, right? But the other one's Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole doesn't play for the Astros anymore. Yeah, <laughs> we need we need updated, you know, a Bregman, an Altuve, a Jordan. So, our our lovely listeners, go go to Houston, go to an Astros game. Everyone that's going, to- <laughs> grab us one, and 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 I'm, I'm I'm sure we'll make it worth it for you. Now, a couple more minutes here b- before we. Before we go home for the day, this is quite interesting. Speaking of, of Leah Van, she she posted on Twitter a picture of Jacob Barry in his LSU baseball uniform. Okay. And then on the side of it, he posted a picture of his I wanna I believe it's his grandfather. Who played baseball at at the time? It was USL. 
So is is the Barry household going to be divided tonight or tomorrow night? It's interesting. I, I wonder. I wonder the connection between Perry Barry and Jacob Barry. Uh, the picture's in black and white, so it's it's uh, it, and also USL, so that's pretty old. Uh, so I, I would be intrigued to know the the comparison there. If if you know it, you can call the hotline seven zero six zero one one one. I want to send a thank you to Leah Van for for joining the show today, and I, I promise I'll remember next time. That, that you're Jewish and to not ask you about Easter. Uh, shout out to Jarrett Reed of Propel's Talk for joining the show as well, recapping game one and previewing games two, three, and four. The Astros, once again, tonight on this station, 7-10 first pitch, so it'll go to National for a bit before heading to Robert Ford and Steve Sparks. Thank you for participating in our poll question today. Bite number two is the choice, by the way. Bite number three is the last choice because James Mesh is approving of it. So that is irregular and irrelevant. That's going to do it for Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Be safe. Be well. Hug your mom and them. Have a great night. And we will see y'all on the flip side tomorrow on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.